0: Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am so excited to have a two-time, not just one time, two-time James Speard Award-winning person on this show, Toby Maloney, who is the author of Bartender's Manifesto. And you also have so many things, actually. When I unfolded through research, like there is more and more that I found, but you're currently in residency at Hop's, Hop and Sing in Philadelphia. So welcome to the show, Toby.
1: Thank you very much for having me on.
0: No problem. So how did you actually get started? I mean, I I did do some research. So I do know that you went to culinary school before getting into, well, actually, I shouldn't even say that because you started at 13 working at a diner in Colorado in, ironically, a dry town. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you actually come about getting into being a mixologist and I mean, a master mixologist at that.
1: Being a cook definitely helps. And then I started bartending in 1991 in Chicago at a Southwestern restaurant called Blue Mesa. And then I moved to New York and I was lucky enough to happen into the resurgence of the cocktail scene at a place called Milk and Honey and then Flatiron and Freeman and Pegu Club. So it was a good time to be alive if you were going to be a bartender.
0: Yes, and I mean, cocktails have definitely come into their own, I mean, they've always been around, obviously, but they're becoming more and more popular as, you know, the, the foodie scene develops within Philadelphia and just around the globe. And people are looking for those cocktails that have more of a wow factor. So the fact that, you know, you're able to integrate all of your vast knowledge and everything that you've learned along the years through being a master mixologist. And also you've traveled the globe, you know, sometimes with your girlfriend, Jessica Palmer, which you see photos of you, you guys have such like an adventurous uh, background, and you know what is it like going to different places? Because you've been to Chicago, California, New York. You've been to Thailand. So many different places. What is it like? Do you know doing takeovers at different places and teaching? You know people who you work with.
1: Yeah, there's people out there in the world everywhere that you go that are looking for things that taste good. So Jessica and I travel around and have I've done little classes everywhere from on a boat in egypt to costa rica and at a pocket bar in san jose we're constantly on the prowl and the and the road looking for delicious things and beautiful places so it's kind of what we do
0: (laughs) do you do any pairings like because obviously you're well knowledged in in creating cocktails do you do do you ever like sit down and do pairings with the restaurants that you work with or bars i should say
1: heard um i'm not really a big fan of pairings due to the temperature of cocktails. Cocktails need to be very, very cold. The things that go well with food are usually not as cold. They're between 45 and 55 degrees, wine and beer. I love doing little like intermezzos. So a cocktail that includes something from the previous course and something from the next course. So kind of like a link of the chain. I think those are really fascinating and, and fun to work with chefs like that.
0: That does sound interesting. Cause I wanted to also bring up the fact that some of the things that I enjoy when I'm you know out out having a cocktail with friends or even at events is when the mixologist will create a cocktail and they have you know burnt rosemary or thyme in it or some you know some Something where it's a different ingredient that you don't normally see.
1: Yeah. Bartenders and cooks have a very symbiotic relationship in, in the ingredients that we order. And then also they feed us, we get them cocktails at the end of their shift. So <laughs> there's always a good, quote, non-pro. No. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> so with, okay, I'm, I'm going to throw back to some of your, your history because when I was researching, I, you know, there was obviously a huge influence of uh, the, the Violet Hour. And I didn't realize at first when I was researching that you are one of the co-founders of the Violet Hour. I, I was pleasantly surprised and highly impressed by that. But you also, in your bartender's guide, your manifesto, have a throwback to the people that you have worked with, the other um, mixologists and how their mind thinks.
1: Exactly. That's what I wanted to show in the manifesto is have every bartender who had worked at the Violet Hour and who had had a drink on the menu there put in their two cents about how cocktails work. And so each recipe has a very detailed methodology that they talked to me about why they wanted this drink what they wanted the drink to be and how to get it there
0: of the drinks that are within that are contained in this groupings of of recipes and in the history and their methodology when you were you know bringing the collection together was there any kind of like idealism like were you thinking you know this is kind of either like the sweets, the sours, you know, like utilizing different ingredients? Because unfortunately, I do not have the book in front of me. So I don't know how you broke down the book.
1: We broke down the book into the tenets of how we look at cocktails. So balance, texture, temperature, aroma being the tenets you use to analyze and construct cocktails. And then you have narrative arc, intention, comfort, and curiosity. And those are the ways that you look at creating cocktails. So it's really a book in two parts how to make drinks and how to create drinks.
0: I know for myself, I am a huge like I love old fashions and you know, when people get creative with them, like that makes me happy. I love Manhattan's gin and tonics like are also one of my favorites. One of the drinks that I've I've tried numerous times that I can't seem to find a palette for is like the the Drinks that have the egg, the egg in it. So what would be something? I mean, this is kind of just like <laughs> they're throwing you in the spotlight, but what would be, you know, something where you would say to somebody like myself who loves cocktails and very classic cocktails, an egg-based cocktail that you make that you think would be piquant on my palate?
1: The Clover Club, which funnily enough is a Philadelphia cocktail where I am currently residing. Um, but that is Gin, dry vermouth, lemon, egg white, and fresh bundled raspberries. And that just, it's one of the greatest drinks of all time. But when you're making it, the big thing to make sure you do is once it's all shaken up, put a bunch of lemon oil on top of that. And so that's the aroma you're going to get. And that will be perfect for your palate.
0: Nice. It's kind of like almost, you know, like like not that it's a muffin, but like the the muffins that include, you know, lemon and raspberry or like whatnot. That's that's what my mind just went to when you said that. Exactly. So obviously, like you you've received a lot of uh, accolades for this this book of yours, including the your new James Beard Award. Which congratulations for for that. Thank you. Uh, But um on on top of that you are now wa- uh, working at Hopsing Laundromat in in Philadelphia in Chinatown. Um but I think one of your methods for behind that is to start creating recipes for a new book moving forward. So how is that go- coming along?
1: It's it's great. Um Hopsing Laundromat we're calling it a a bartender and residence because I am traveling quite a bit with the book and various things. So the owner allows me to be there when I can and bow out when I can't. And um yeah I have between six and eight seats and then we do three seatings a night and I'm I'm not even necessarily creating cocktail recipes right now. I'm more researching what I'm going to write about in the next book. And mm. So it's a pre, pre-research pre writing exercise.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you ever need test dummies. I'd... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Come on in. would be <laughs> glad to have you.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be more than willing to test out the cocktails. I might have to take an Uber home, but.
1: <laughs> you 100% would.
0: Yes. <laughs> and oh, and one of the other, another cocktail that I really like, and I'm sorry for like, you know, not because usually I have a, a much more flow kind of interview but I, I'm not doing that today um is the, the I think it's like a Hendrix drink it's a cocktail it's a small like sipping cocktail because it's heavy on uh the alcohol but uh but it's a gin drink uh and it's just absolutely um wonderful Would you ever create like a a gin, honey, like something like that kind of?
1: Sure. There's a classic cocktail called a bee's knees, which is gin, honey, lemon. And there's lots of cool things you can do with that. You can very simply stretch what kind of honey you use. There's everything from, you know, wildflower honey. Um, There's Tasmanian leatherwood honey. You know, getting into the local honeys wherever you are is going to be great because it'll have the flavors of all of the flowers around. But Hendrix itself has cucumber and rose as two of the botanicals. So you could take that honey and you could put a little extra floral notes into it or something that goes with cucumber like mint. And then you definitely have something that would be light and delicious and summery.
0: Yeah. And speaking of light, delicious, and summery, We are celebrating 4th of July um, on the show today, so uh, is there any kind of cocktail that you would say would be a perfect cocktail just to, you know, cheers with the fireworks?
1: Go grab a copy of Dale DeGroff's Craft of the Cocktail and make his Cosmopolitan, which has a flamed orange garnish, and so you get that little poof of flame, it'll be just like the fireworks. (laughs)
0: Which is fun. And I like the fact that's another thing is um, you do include throw throwbacks to like other uh, other cocktail books too on your Instagram and and whatnot, you know, because I'm like a lot of people are just myopically like this is, you know, me and things that I've done and they don't stray outside of that. But you kind of give nods to other people as well.
1: I mean, that's the cool thing about what we do in the cocktail world is. There's so much writing and so many books and so many people that are out there pushing the envelope that you can reach out and talk to. And, you know, 95% of the time they are enraptured to to talk to you and they will bend your ear for as long as you let them. Um, it's a really great community in that they share their innermost workings of their programs and such with you if you're interested. So, yeah, you got a nod to those people who are mentoring and raising the level of everybody who's out there bartending
0: yes and um speaking of raising the level of everybody who's out there bartending um do you have any takeovers or any classes that you're offering because i think you periodically teach classes as well
1: i do um it's in conjunction with the book tour which i'm actually going to be talking to a couple of brands this week to see, to get some sponsorship, but I'm looking to go to Chicago and San Francisco and a couple of other places in the next six months. And you can absolutely get that information on my Instagram and the bartender's manifesto instagram
0: which is you know a perfect plug because let's let's talk a little bit about the bartender's manifesto how to think drink and create cocktails like a pro where can people find it like i've seen it in at anthropology i've seen it at you know obviously you know there's online bookstore you know ways to Purchase it, but where can people purchase it in person? Like, you know, what is a website that you would like people to uh, go to?
1: Bookshop.org is a good one that is online, but they get their books from small, independent, local bookstores. So you are helping to keep that community thriving. Walk down to your local, independent brick-and-mortar bookstore and ask them to buy a copy. And if they don't, ask them to bring it in. You can go to the Clarkson Potter website as well that helps me with my numbers but <laughs> overall small independent local is the way to go
0: gotcha and if like not if actually when people purchase your 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 cocktail book your perfect guide would they be able to get it signed by you
1: sure you can <laughs> always bring it into hop sing we also often have copies there to sell and i will be happy to sign your book. You can also reach out to me on my Instagram and Bartenders Manifesto Instagram, and I can probably put a book plate in the mail for you, which is just a sticker you throw on there um, (laughs) if you're not anywhere near Philadelphia.
0: Gotcha. Now, I want to kind of also give a nod to the fact that I've known a few, uh, a select amount of bartenders and mixologists, and I know that they have the Fast Rack, I think it's called. Speed Rack? Speed Rack, yes. I always forget what it's called. <laughs> uh, and I know that you do, you bar back for the Speed Racks. Uh, what is it like, you know, as being, at uh, like, seeing that whole process?
1: It's been great. Uh, Lynette and Ivy coming up with Speed Rack, was it 12, 13 years ago now? The event itself has grown. It has raised a ton of money for breast cancer research. The People who are in it, they, they're they really coming loaded for bear these days. They, everybody brings their cooler with their garnishes and like they have practice sessions beforehand. Um, there's going to be one. The finals this year is going to be just before Tales of the Cocktail down in New Orleans. Um, and two amazing bartenders from Chicago are actually going to be there as well. Britt and Amy from Mother's Ruin, Chicago, will be there to rep the Windy City.
0: Perfect. Now, for anybody who is looking to find out more information, to find out more information about you, where can they find you online?
1: So, Instagram. Toby Cocktail and Instagram: The Bartender's Manifesto. I thank look at both of those.
0: Thank you so much, Toby, for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs, and I hope to see you at Hop Sing Laundromat because the accolades. I'm looking forward to having a cocktail made by you. Well,
1: thank you very much. It would be a pleasure to have you come on down.
0: All right, and we will be right back after this short break. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the Farmers Who Make It All Possible with co-hosts Jean Blom and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB, 97.5 HD2, and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And we have Pete Paladino, who is one of the fearless restaurant... Um, directors. Uh, And you are joining me from Tucker's Tavern, which is located in LBI. So thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me. This is great. It's nice to sit outside.
0: It is very nice to sit outside. Now, you know, seeing that we you mentioned the outside, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of history about Tucker's Tavern and, you know, also this outside area?
2: Sure. So Tucker's has been a restaurant uh, in this uh, this exact space for You know 30 40 years before it was tucker's tavern uh it was a place called gus and whitey's i believe Um, always you know kind of growing uh hurricane sandy came along and the folks that owned tucker's uh they didn't really want to continue that's when we uh struck a deal we bought the place and redid everything here we decided to keep it tucker's tavern to kind of honor that history of always being a kind of a neighborhood favorite Uh, And just kind of, we wanted to redo it in a current form. And so here we sit. uh, We reopened in 2014. Uh, The outside spaces have always been very important to us because we're at the beach. And so everybody wants to be outside. So uh, when we opened, we had a small little deck that kind of uh, sat along the bay. Years later, that became bigger. Year after that, we put a rooftop bar on. Um, Years after that, we now sit out here on uh, a new outside dining space, fifty seats out here uh, on the east side of the building, uh, and just keep you know keep growing because the demand is certainly here in the summertime.
0: And <clears throat> I, and I will say that you know I I just ate here. And all of the food was wonderful. And I want to, I ordered the um, crispy chicken with the Thai green curry. I have to give you a lot of accolades because there's a lot of times where I go in and the green curry that I order does not have the spice heat, like the heat um, and spice to it. This green curry had that heat and I love that. And the crispy, the crispness on the chicken was it, you know, outstanding. It was very crispy. I took uh, we we had a lot of appetizers, so am is, taking, <laughs> I am taking pretty much the entire meal home. Like, but um, there, it was at like what right? I did if taste. It was curry, you know very um, like, flavorful um, and, and I'm sure we've spicy all eaten out all places, the places before where it's uh, like you know a top, hint so.
2: of X, and it's just like you can barely it's barely identifiable. So, you know, I would rather err on the side of let's make a statement. And if you know if you don't want to make a statement then don't make that statement. But, you know, for us it's like the curry, it needs to be great curry. Everything here at Tucker's is just a large portion, and it's about like flavorful, utilizing a lot of the great seafood that we have access to here on LBI. Uh, and just turning people on to kind of our take on classics
0: yes and you mentioned the seafood I want to say that you have a lot of um, on your appetizers you have a lot of seafood options uh, we had the the tuna tacos um, which are just so well done and you know the the shell of, of uh, the wonton shell it's nice and crispy but it's not like where it's gonna like cut your mouth if you bite into it it like breaks apart so and it gives you that you know almost I, I want to say umami, um, because it has builds, like, the different profiles of all the different, like, the sauces and the tuna itself, its freshness, Um, so I have to, you know, I I definitely like that, and the seaweed salad down at the bottom, my favorite.
2: (laughs) That is our number one seller every single night, and, and, uh, you know, it's great, our tuna is caught right offshore, our, um, you know, clams and oysters are harvested right in the bay here, scallops are from the north end of the island up in Barnegat Light. Flounders caught offshore. So we are very lucky that we have access to all these um, you know, amazing things at our doorstep. And then right inland are all these amazing farms. So all of our produce and tomatoes and corn and all these things that are in season now, uh, it's nice to feature those on the menu because that is, that's a taste of a place. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we try to do because I want people to come here and have that experience that they aren't going to have at another, you know, you're having a dinner in, you know, Philadelphia. It's going to be a totally different experience because of the terroir.
0: And, you know, you touched on something that uh, we on Food Farms and Chefs absolutely adore, which is supporting local and, you know, kind of offering local purveyors because you're supporting your community, supporting, you know, the the different people who grow the ingredients that go into um, what you're making. So that actually is very applaudable because it's it's making sure that it's, farm to table, but also sea to table. Um, so, you know, what are, what are some of the other businesses that you kind of work with and collaborate with in order to bring that freshness?
2: So we work with a, a, a local oyster collective. Um, they do wonderful work here in the Bay. So we donate our shells back. Uh, and a lot of the restaurants here donate the shells back to them. They then take those shells out into the Bay and create new oyster reefs out of them, uh, and so when we are now ordering oysters, our chef will say, you know what, can you get me a couple uh, dozen sloop points, whatever they are. They will go out and they harvest them when ordered, not harvesting to sell. So odds are that what's on your plate was in the ocean, you know, a day ago or two days ago, which is pretty fun. Um, you know, we like to work with a lot of different companies. We have another location down here called Dadio. Um, we have some friends at a local Yoga Studio, um, Yoga Bohemia. So we're doing a promotion with them called Benz and Brunch, where we're doing beach yoga and then come back and have brunch at Daddio. So uh, there's a lot of talent and a lot of skill here, and it's not just on the culinary side. And whenever we look to do something, we are always looking to our neighbors and to our friends. Can we utilize so-and-so to you know, be the music here or to be the builder on this project or a- any of those things? It's not just food.
0: And you mentioned the builder on the project. So I want to also incorporate the fact that, you know, uh, there is somebody that you have built and uh, designed your buildings. And talk a little bit about that and how you brought them. um, I forget her name, brought her
2: in. So Barbara Belanger is, um, she's a designer that we work with for a lot of years. Barbara's designed uh, almost, you know, 80%, 90% of our restaurants in our portfolio. Uh, Aesthetics, always very important to us you know I think I told you this before like when you walk in our four walls we want you to be transported someplace else and Barbara is very good at creating that space and so you know when you talk to Marty who is our uh, you know general partner and, and all of our bosses like it is very important to him that it is it is executed to the nth degree yeah. it can't just be done on a superficial level it's like so when you walk into one of our spaces no matter where you look there is something and it looks finished. Uh, and so Barbara had this wonderful idea when we were doing Tuckers, uh, along with Marty, to do British pub meets American tavern, and that is kind of the incorporating now the the how close we are to the ocean. So you'll see a lot of uh, nautical theme that runs throughout the entire restaurant, whether it be you know old uh, crabbing nets and old buoys and old uh, pulleys from ships and the busts of ships um, in our oyster bar. You know, and so we just try to we try to think it to the nth degree, like I said, uh, because I think that's very important, and that is part of the overall experience of coming to one of our restaurants.
0: Now let's uh, switch gears and actually, because your cocktail menu is is you know to be talked about too, um, because you have very interesting cocktails. So we have a toy who is sitting with us right now who had ordered a fish bowl, um, which I think is. A very large party, yeah. for, for a very large party. and She's still working on it, but um, we, you know, we've experienced a couple of different Tucker's uh, themed cocktails. So let us let our listeners know what they can get when they visit and what they'll experience up top.
2: Sure. So we like to make sure that all of our our beverage program is very food friendly because obviously, you know, we we do have wonderful food here. So a lot of the things that we'll do are not palate killers. Um, you know, but it doesn't need to be tricky. You know, it doesn't need to be 15 different ingredients, you know, smoked, uh, you know, over a campfire somewhere in Toronto. It, it needs to just be great. So, um, one of our biggest sellers is our Tini, which is like really, it just, it's, it's rum. It's a rum punch almost in a martini form with our take on it. Um, our Tucker's tea, which is, uh, our number one seller also, our watermelon mint martini. You know, these are all drinks that are like, you're overlooking the bay, you've got one of these in your hand, it's like, life gets no better than that, you know, and so we do a lot of large formats as well, and I think Tori's drinking the, um, was that the spicy spicy strawberry margarita, Uh, you know, and just sly takes on some of your classic cocktails, Um, it is summer, we try to keep things lighter, you're leaning into rums and vodkas, uh, you know, and that sort of stuff, so... You know, the good thing is we like to work with a lot of talented people that have a lot of great ideas. And so they have the ability to vet some of their drinks and get their drinks on the list. So whenever we're doing a cocktail change, we look internally and say, summer's coming up. Why don't you put up five cocktails that you feel proud about? Uh, and so that's great for them because now they're they're vested in the outcome of this particular drink. You
0: know? So um, I want to give a nod to the fact that you... you- Previously and currently, I think you still are a music uh, musician. You're in a band, had a band, were very popular. So, how, how did traveling across the globe and like you know playing at different areas, cities across, like all over, um, impact you as far as curating some of the things that are going into the re- this restaurant and daddys and um and how it impacted the menu and the look.
2: So when I was touring. Um got to, very lucky, we got to tour all over the world for probably 20 years. And so it was my thing, wherever we were, whatever town we were in and place we were in, I would make sure I got out and kind of experienced a bit of that. And sometimes in a, in a rock and roll band, you don't, you, you don't have a lot of time in one place, um, you know, but I was always a lover of food and beverage. So when I kind of made the transition into the restaurant business, you were able to draw on all those things and those love of things. Uh, and we still do. My wife and I travel all the time. And, you know, we're in Bali and Thailand and India and, like, just getting outside our comfort zone and in New York. And so, you know, it's we're never finished, I think, as a, as a company, as, you know, culinary directors, operating directors. I think we're always looking for, okay, how can we do what we do better? You know, what is new out there and what's happening? And so I'll try anything. I'm excited to try, you know, different things. I remember... I was in New York at one of Danny Meyer's places called Blue Smoke. And this was over, it was, it was uh, winter time, And they did a drink. It was a bourbon drink with sweet potato. And I was like, crazy talk. So let's try it. And it was amazing. And it was great. So, you know, it's just having an open mind to be able to experience all those things. And it might not end up on your menu in the form that you discovered it in, but it informs all those other decisions on how you get to the end result.
0: And the, you know, that's a key point because whenever like home chefs or chefs, you know, go out and try to create something new, they do kind of draw upon like their experiences and, you know, different things that they've tasted and experienced. Um, but I'm going to throw back to Tucker's Tavern um, and... You had mentioned that you have to renovate um, or, you know, change things up every so often to just keep it relevant, keep it trendy. Um, How often do you uh, change up the look or the menu? And, you know, I know that you also are year round, too, so... What are some of the the things that you offer on the menu that don't change? And then, you know, what what's something that currently is like a top seller outside of the taco tunes, the tuna tacos?
2: So we try to do menu changes seasonally. So certainly about four times a year. Same with the cocktail program. Uh, once we get into summer, it's kind of, you know, we're rolling with summer. Uh, here we do have the ability to do daily specials every single day. So, you know, if... The guy rolls up, uh, you know, right off the boat and, and has wonderful tuna or mahi or, you know, halibut. It's like those things make their way to our menu. Um, you know, some of the things that are, have been on our menu since the inception are Flandre Franchise has been on the menus forever. Tucker's Burger is like this gigantic, you know, a, enormous thing. It, it actually should come with a, 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 a bed so you can have a nap after that. Um You know, but we like to take a look at what we're doing and constantly look at what's selling, what's, and retaste it and rediscover it because people don't lie in terms of the way that they use your restaurant. So if something is not moving, it's not necessarily, they don't know what they're talking about. It's like, we listen to that. And so, you know, and and we have the ability to change things very, very quickly. You know, everybody prints menus in house now. So it's like, nothing is set, nothing's finished until it's, you know, it moves on to the next iteration. you know, but it's it's nice to have the ability to make a make a call on the fly.
0: Now, given that it is summer, you are going well at the beginning. You are going to get a lot of foot traffic, obviously, from you know people that are you know tourists or whatnot. But are you hosting any events or anything you know new and exciting that you would love to let our listeners know about?
2: So all summer long, we are, you know, we're doing our thing. And it's like LBI, the season is really Memorial Day. It is crazy. Everybody comes down to kind of celebrate the beginning of summer. And once we hit the end of June, it is just wonderful down here. The beach is just at the end of our street. You can hop in the bay if you'd like in in between courses uh, right over here. Uh, And we just do our thing. You know, it's summertime. There's always festivals happening down here in Beach Haven. Very, very close at Veterans Park. Um, you know, But part of what's great about being in Beach Haven is this is very much a neighborhood. And so you'll find people riding their bikes all over town. And where we are, this is called our marina district here in Beach Haven. So uh, here in the marina district, there's wonderful restaurants and wonderful bars right around the corner. So we're great to be part of that community. And I want people to go elsewhere because they are now spreading the word of what we do elsewhere and it's like we either all win or we all lose. And so I love it when people come and have drinks here and then go and have dinner at another restaurant because tomorrow they're going to go have drinks at that other restaurant and come and have dinner here. You know, and so that's what's important to us for the summer. It's like um when we get to the end of or the beginning of October, rather there's a something called chowder fest which has been here for a hundred years and so we always partake in chowder fest it is a celebration and a contest of all things chowder Uh, and last year we were lucky enough to win in both categories Uh, tucker's won new england clam chowder uh, and at daddio we won for the manhattan clam chowder category uh, which was a nice surprise
0: that is a nice surprise. Now I'm going to switch it up and go to desserts because you guys have some fantastic desserts. I have to say I'm obsessed with the uh, salted caramel with pretzel ice cream. I, I yes, it's amazing. Like I had it last night at Daddy's and so I was like, I have to have that on top of my tiramisu. I was like, I know I don't even care if it like matches. It did, but I was like, I had to have it anyway just because it was so good. Um, but I I love the fact that you. Make everything in house and scratch. So, um, let our listeners know. So, what are some of the desserts they can look forward to, and the cocktails?
2: So, some of my favorite desserts. Uh, it's so simple, but it, it like it's a perfect way to finish a meal at the beach is just a brownie sundae, right? And like we we are making everything in house because again, if you're gonna do it, do it well. Um, we. We shy away from anything that is a commodity item, right? So um, I would rather do a, a really wonderful, you know, cobbler and have it be great, everything made in-house. Berries are from right inland in New Jersey. You know, so those kinds of things we can do as dessert specials. Um, but at both places, we're we're creating all these things every single day. Jeff's back there baking and instructing people on how to bake. So that's wonderful. As far as the drinks, um, you know, we create places that we want to come. Yeah. I was just here on Sunday with uh, my family and a, and a bunch of our friends, you know. And just the the spicy margarita, spicy strawberry margarita is excellent. We curate a really fun beer list that draws on all sorts of local stuff. Uh, and I'm sorry, you had the something. All oh, the dessert cocktails. So, uh, which one did you have? Was that the uh, the um, espresso martini? I think what was that?
0: You had the cinnamon the one. Cinnamon.
2: Yeah, good stuff. You know what? You don't always have to eat dessert. You can drink dessert, too. I mean, that's the goal, you know. <laughs> I know, right? One year we created uh, dessert shots, uh, and so you could get a dessert sh- shot sampler. Um, and same thing. It's a, it, anything we do, we want it to be a perfect way to finish your meal, and it's about the experience uh, from start to finish. And so, All
0: right. Now, that, you know, was a great segue on how to finish off. Like, let our listener knows, listeners know where to find you online and in person.
2: Sure. So, Insta, it is Tucker's Tavern LBI. Um, our website is Tucker's Tavern-LBI.com. Uh, we are a physical location. We're down here at the end of the island in, uh, in Beach Haven, New Jersey, which is a town on Long Beach Island. Um Funnily enough, I I used to come here as a kid. I grew up in northern New Jersey, and Beach Haven was the place that we visited. This was our beach. So when I got the opportunity to come and work here, it was like, I know this place. And what's fun about OBI is it's not commercialized. It has this wonderful surf culture vibe. And it's really, you know, you can speak to this more than I. It's like, you drive over that bridge, and you feel like disconnected from any sort of you know, stress you're leaving on the mainland. So uh, come and visit us.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And you will have a fantastic time if you come visit... To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolikus at gmail.com. Hey, everyone, I'd like to welcome back friend of the show and uh, founder of of innovative catering concepts, Rocco Galelli. He is behind scenes preparing for Wawa Welcome America Festival at Eakin's Oval in front of the Art Museum. Rocco, welcome to the show.
3: Great to be here. Thank you, Maris. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic.
4: So Rocco, going uh, into Wawa Welcome America, I mean, you know, this time next week, it'll be all a good dream that's over with and, and moving on. What is it like uh, behind the scenes today at Innovative Catering Concepts and the state of Monroe as you prep for, you know, Wawa Welcome America and for our listeners out there, not only does he do the, you know, thousands of Wawa people that are attending and and they're, you know, feeding that day, but also coordination of events on the street as well as stuff for the VIPs. And uh, just because he's bored a little bit and he has an extra two or three minutes, he puts several trucks on the street as well, selling products. So what's it like behind the scenes over there at your commissary today?
3: Well, to be honest with you, Gene, today, you could probably feed a small third world country with just the food that we have prepared um, over the last two days and, it's interesting watching um, how it changes from coming out of box and prep and raw product to finished product, box backed up, put in the refrigerator or put in the freezer, staged for um, for consumption. And um, the chefs, I mean, there's really no room in our kitchen today because there's literally food, boxes, containers everywhere. And if that's not enough, we have a 200 person event going on right now at um, our, our place for um, the uh, New Jersey uh, social services. Uh, they're having a, a carnival right now at our place. We also have two other food trucks on the street today. So there's a lot of moving parts today. We're blessed with business. We're thankful that we're still in business. Um, Post pandemic, you know, in the event planning world, being able to kind of juggle it all, it's uh, it's refreshing. And then our our chef is uh, a little overwhelmed. This is his first Wawa experience. Our new chef, um, he's been on the team for
4: a while, but never had to helm.
3: So it's 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 a bit interesting. We have you know there's literally stuff everywhere.
4: Well, having you know spent a little bit of time down there on the Parkway in, in my past and understanding what it's like, take our listeners through a little bit of what your Let's say from midnight on the third, or from you know six PM on the third, until uh, you know three AM on the fifth. What your what a little bit of your day is like?
3: Well, normally on the third, um, the inner and outer lanes of the parkway are blocked off, so we start staging. First thing that goes down is all the equipment. So we will build the back of house kitchen for the Wawa Welcome America company picnic. Um, so we will take some of our, um, some of our ovens, warmers, hand wash stations, tables, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That'll start to get built out and delivered and staged on Von Collin Field. Um, that'll start happening right around five or five o'clock on the third, once we're able to take control. And then um, what will happen is we will take another and we'll start. To taking down some of our mobile units because we have to place some of the units inside the VIP area because that gets cut off first. So it's restricted. And then we'll start taking the rest of our units that we're gonna use on the street down closer to midnight along with um, our tractor trailer for refrigeration um, that's taken down and staged. So that only. the, so we'll get finished probably about midnight on the 3rd. And then we go home and take a nap. And then the day starts about 4 a.m. Um, we will start going down and getting everything fired up as far as the kitchen is concerned. And I leave my chefs and my GM at the Wawa tent. And I will go to uh truck check-in which usually starts somewhere right around eight o'clock in the morning. And this year, I believe we have 22 trucks that are going to be on the street that we have to place them and put them and wait for them to come in with border health inspections and all. And then um, once we place the trucks, they all have to be ready to go. This year, it's a little later, they don't have to be ready to go till 3 p.m., which is a change to 12 noon as it was in the past.
4: Yeah, that's a that's a big change which is uh probably welcome to a lot of people I know those first couple hours in you know is always a a quiet time in businesses and business isn't as much and things like that and I this is gonna be a you know a difficult subject I know um last year welcome America was uh, a very difficult ending to the fireworks um we had two police officers in Philadelphia that were hit by um you know, errant gunfire. Uh, you know, celebratory gunfire, probably a mile or so away, that uh, happened to you know impact two officers in the city, but created a absolutely horrendous experience for you, your team, everybody down there. Um, you know, because it became an active shooter scenario. Um, you know, do you anticipate in response to that an even tighter level of security? this year and and uh, what changes do you anticipate uh this year or what you know do you think we're going to see uh if anything changes in that whole world
3: oh it, it has changed significantly since last year i mean being involved in that situation uh where we felt we were involved with an active shooter situation um you know our staff and the people around us responded accordingly and we were able to guide them and keep communication going and it was very healthy for us and um, scary, yes, but uh, they handled it, my team handled it very well. We have probably 40 to 50 people on the street that day, but it starts off where it created a new look for us or a new protocol. Now, before we start any major event, we have, um, a security meeting or an emergency meeting where we identify the safe zones or the gathering periods. We also have, we ask everyone to go on Life 360 and register uh, on Life 360 so we know where you are if your phone is still with you. Um, this year, as far as Wa Wa from America is concerned, the blocks from 20th Street to just before the Oval are now fenced in completely um it's with controlled access at different areas you will have to walk through a magnometer to be able to enter the footprint um it is a more of a secured uh perimeter this year along with um some of the events that some of the concert events that actually happen on the parkway uh, but it's a smaller block radius where it's confined to three blocks instead of going all the way around the circle Um, and then up through uh, essentially getting to Eakins Oval. We shortened the stage to be where it was last year but the whole area around the art museum is still a sterile area but as far as the crowd is concerned they would be able to get as close as 22nd street um, and be able to see the concert and then from block one which is basically the quote-unquote vip block which would be the 2200 block of the parkway is uh ticketed and also designed for the mayor's um people and i think there's like three thousand
4: seats in there along with the grove and other experiences that we're working yeah it was uh the quite the the you know difficult situation last year I can't say enough about the professionalism of your organization in, in going through and providing for the safety. And, and I know, um, you know, personally, what, what went into making sure that all the people were accounted for and safe. And it was a, you know, very difficult time. So, you know, congratulations on achieving that and, and being back there next year. Obviously, because of your exemplary service in that whole world. Uh, rough, rough by the numbers. How many people are you going to be feeding on the fourth catering? We're probably catering for close to
3: 4,000 people. And then as far as pay as you go or concession sales, who knows? I mean, we hope we are able to touch another three or 4,000 people, but it's definitely a, um, a busy time. It's definitely um, something that tests our bandwidth each and every year. Um, and um, if it wasn't for the team that I have around me, or if it wasn't for uh, people that work with me. Um, and I say with because we are a part of the team, um, we would never be able to do it uh, because I mean, actually, I personally, because I'm a producer for the celebration, I have to make sure that all these trucks get into the location at a proper time proper place. Um, in compliance with border health and compliance with fire safety um, that rests on our shoulders we need to make sure that all that is um, is is in check and then we can go and and, you know we created team leads for each location and um, you know hopefully I don't have to quote unquote run around with a chicken without a head Um, which if I could stay calm and collective with the team
4: that I have and everybody stays safe. It's a, it's a win. Everything else will fall on the line. I'll ignore the, uh, if you can stay calm and collective and cool part and just move on to, uh, tell us a little bit about the menu this year for Wawa and the mayor's tent and what you're going to be serving. I know it's traditionally American barbecue and similar to that. So what do we have this year? Um, American
3: barbecue is a very good uh, description. Um, we have to we stay safe um, as far as production is concerned um, so that there's not really any um, higher uh, volatile foods that could spoil. Um, we, for the Walla picnic, we keep it very simple. Uh, we go with this method for it and uh, the tenders and fries. Uh, we also have all beef meatballs, uh, barbecue lot chicken, uh, melote or cold Mexican salad, um we are doing um some garden salads and it's pretty much in just all beef hotbooks and then the mayor he changes it up a little bit he wants it more of um traditional barbecue where it's a watermelon salad is burgers dogs um grilled chicken and um some vegetables. Uh, He also enjoys um, some cold salads, traditional potato, traditional, um, regular 12 salad with assorted dressings. Um, We're doing the production crew this year backstage. They will enjoy some of the same barbecue stuff, but um, we also go a little lighter with them because it means most of your stage change and production workers can't really eat heavy and uh, kind of uh, Effectively work after they're done and do heavy. So uh, we keep that a little lighter and uh, simpler. And then uh, we have our trucks on the street. We put probably five trucks on the street ourselves um, in areas that we had some gaps this year. And we would be, uh, all, all, my goal is not to yell this year. And If I could achieve that and serve everybody accordingly, I think we'll be fine. Because after some of the
4: experience that we learned last year with the new footprint, I feel very comfortable and very calm. So, you know, you've been doing this now, oh, God, I want to say 15 years, somewhere around there. You've been, you've been involved in doing this. It's been a long time, um, you know, in, in doing that. Uh, you know, we'll take last year out of the meld. You know, tell our listeners about, you know, the challenges that you have discovered and overcome and, and learned from through that, that, you know, what this takes to get it done. I've been, I think this is my 16th year
3: as the food producer. We, we effectively worked or managed the street for the last 15 out of 16 years. Um, what we've learned over the year is just dealing with people, showing respect for each other. Um, is the best way to work it. Um, Besides safety, um, this is the first year that it's a closed uh, perimeter. uh, Before, basically, you had people coming from everywhere all around you, um, and you had to make sure that, you know, there was some sort of a comfort level that um, your staff was safe, your product was safe. Um, You also had to make sure that everybody was being served the food at the proper temperature. So having support vehicles close by, so that we could support you know the volume of people that you do you do um it all starts with the team g and as long as we have a good working relationship and communication i mean we've learned over the years that you know we're there to help each other if i have something that some of the vendors next to me need i give it to them. just like vice versa we've learned that from drinks over the years we've learned that from um Simple napkins, condiments, whatever. We're all out there for the same reasons to ensure that the people of Philadelphia enjoy a great show with a concert and a fireworks display. All our workers stay healthy, and bottom line is we are out there also to make money and you know make sure that we have enough of the opportunity to make the money and
4: make it the right way and safely. You know, and I, and I know that you know being at the the mercy of Mother Nature that always you know has input whether it's thunderstorms and evacuating the parkway or going the other way where it's 100 degrees or 110 degrees on site and everyone sells out of water and you know you're you're forced to you know really uh you know think quick on your feet to have water available to your guests and things like that you know so you really do have to plan for every contingency and you know, I, I give your operation and your team a lot of credit on that. And then I know, you know, the compound, but all dealing with Wawa, a company like that size that produces food for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a day you know, dealing in their quality assurance programs and doing all that, which, you know, may not necessarily align with yours because of the different types of operations, having to adapt and overcome. And, you know, I wish your chef the very best of luck this year because, you know, coming in and jumping in and, and, uh, you know, having to do that, this is a, a, a big undertaking. There's a lot going on. So, you know, I certainly, uh, you know, extend my best to your whole team. And, and, you know, I, I know from years past that you will overcome and, and have a successful event and everything will go well. Um, So tell our listeners as we're there for people wanting to book your food trucks or book your catering services or do an event at your facility where they can get hold of you and uh, how they can, uh, you know, learn more about what innovative catering concepts does and, you know philly fry and all the other brands that you represent the best way is just to go to our website which is
3: www.icccatering that's three c's next to each other icccatering.com it'll show you what we do as far as mobile vending is concerned um on premise off premise um our sports and entertainment division um we we have a pretty big wheelhouse and, uh, you know, it shows you the venues we're approved at and our home venue here in Williamstown, New Jersey, the commissaries in Philadelphia um, that we work out of. So, you know, we we enjoy what we do, um, being able to serve the people. Well, thank
4: you so much for joining us on Food farms Suggestion and taking just, you know, 20 minutes out of your day. I know that sleep is a, a commodity right now and One of them, you know, you get to see your family for two minutes out the door here or there, um, you know, and everything like that. And I'm sure some of your family will actually be working that day. So we really appreciate you joining us. And uh, for those out there, again, it's Innovative Catering Concepts, the estate at Monroe or, you know, their whole line of food trucks, whether it's, you know, Philly Fry or Philly Eats or everything else, uh, you know, if the city can trust them. I think you can, too.
3: Thank you very much, Gene. Thanks, Amaris. It's always a pleasure to be on this show and really get a lot out of it. This time of year, I'm just thankful that my family still talks to me and that my kids don't walk off the parkway if they're been working with me. So we're very happy to be together and uh, sleep is definitely a commodity as can be seen by my uh, dark circle under my eyes. So
2: yes, yes. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much and happy 4th of July,
2: everyone. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.